You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 120, Revitalize Your Relationship with Erin Aquin. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. You're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected. This is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hi, Mama. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here today for this special interview with Erin Aquin. I'm going to introduce her to you in just a minute, but first, I want to take a moment to acknowledge that this is episode 120. For those of you who have listened for a while, you may remember that I love numbers and the meanings attached to certain numbers. So in Judaism, we have a saying, may you live until 120. Why? Because in the Torah, it says Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were undimmed and his strength undiminished. Moses didn't only live a long life, he lived a meaningful and good life. And that is what we want to strive for. And so the fact that this podcast has lived until 120 and will live much beyond that, I hope, is a special milestone for me. The second thing I want to share with you that I'm very excited about is that I've created a brand new process for my clients to quickly zero in on the source of their mama drama and help them solve it 10 times faster. And because it's Thanksgiving and the holidays, I want to give you a gift. I want to take you through this process for free. It's all done over the phone. And in under 45 minutes, I'll help you get super clear on one struggle you're facing and give you specific ways to deal with it as soon as we hang up the phone. I want you to have a breakthrough where you'll come away feeling optimistic and empowered and ready to show up in your family in a whole new way. You'll finally get that missing ingredient that's keeping you from being the mom you want to be or from connecting with your kids in the way you want to connect. All you have to do to go through this process with me for free is sign up at lessdramamoremama.com forward slash breakthrough. If you have friends or family members you think would benefit from this too, please share it with them. I'll only be offering this for the next 30 days, so make sure you sign up now. All right, on to today's interview. I met Erin Aquin last year during Master Coach Training. She is now officially a certified Master Life Coach. She's the host of the Revitalize Your Relationship podcast, and she recently added author to her list of achievements with her Revitalize Your Relationship book. Erin and I talk about how she got into life coaching, some of the main issues couples bring to her, and helpful tips for how to get on the same page as your spouse, work as a team, and become the CEO of your relationship. Please enjoy. All right, Erin Aquin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is such an awesome delight. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about how you got into this work, about maybe a little bit about your family, and why we should listen to you. (laughs) Oh, the tables have turned. <laughs> yeah. That is the first question I always ask my guests as well, as you know. Yep. You've been on my show. Um, my name is Erin Aquin. I am a certified master life coach. And the way I got into this work was originally 
I became a life coach because I thought I'm going to help my, at the time, yoga students. I was a full-time yoga teacher. I was like driving all over the place. I had worked in the yoga world for like 15 years. And the deeper I got into coaching and working with people, the more I realized that the biggest transformations that I had actually seen in my life were not necessarily from on my business. They weren't, I had nothing to do with my work at all, but actually the biggest transformation was on my relationship with my husband. Um, I had felt like I was the hot mess in our relationship for a long time. And with doing the coaching work, I was able to come to a place where I was no longer outsourcing my emotional well-being to him. Okay. What, what, first of all, what does it mean that you were a hot mess? Like, cause I think that, that looks different for different people. What, how would you say? Okay. You were a hot mess? I'm going to tell you some personal stuff. Are you ready? <laughs> we're ready. We love it. Yeah. So the first year of our marriage, I moved from my stable life in Canada to go live with him in Boston. I was not a U.S. resident, so I couldn't work, and I was totally financially dependent on him. Uh, we, I got pregnant three months after we got married, and it was like my whole identity was shattered, and the only thing I could do was blame him for it because <laughs> it was like his fault for tricking me into falling in love with him and tricking me into moving to another country and then tricking me into saying, yes, I want to have children. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, there were nights where I would just, you know, I was not conscious of this at the time, but I would pick a fight with him. And he is one of these lovely people who does not argue. Like he doesn't, I would goat him. Like just, I tried so hard to get him to fight with me and he wouldn't. So I would lay on the couch and just cry sometimes till like three in the morning. So worried that he was going to end up resenting me. And it's just going to all be a terrible situation. Um, so that kind of hot mess, like okay. <laughs> my marriage, you know? Yeah. So then you said that you realized, or you were giving him responsibility for your emotions, right? Blaming him saying that he was tricking you and responsible for your emotions. Yes. And how did you, how did you come to that realization? It took a really long time, but after so many months of him not ever responding to me in a way that was unkind, I realized that I was like, maybe this is just a really lovely person who's not just going to leave me because I'm not working. Who's not just going to expect all of these things. I also, at the, I didn't mention this, but I had like a chronic um, illness at the time as well. So I was just going through a lot. All, all of my listeners, by the way, are thinking, does he have a brother like or a cousin? <laughs> Where can I find one of these guys who doesn't, doesn't react? Yeah. We, he has a whole spiritual uh, background, which we're going to talk about on, on my show too. But he, you know, all he did was love me. He loved me through all of this. And mm. at the time, I really thought that it was him that was special and that I was this terrible person. And he was this great person, which obviously set up this very weird dynamic. But I noticed that he naturally didn't blame me for the way he was feeling. And he was not a coach at the time he is now, but he was not a coach. And I started to recognize that if this relationship was going to fail, it was because 
of what I was doing. And I really love him. So I decided to start working with a coach, even though I thought coaching was crazy. I thought it was a really weird thing. I I did start working with a coach and why did you think it was weird? Oh my gosh. I, even as a yoga teacher, I thought coaching was the most woo woo thing out there. Even as a yoga teacher, that's funny. Yes, I know. <laughs> I thought it was so far out. It's just like what you just, the people like, they, they just cheer you on and they, what do they do? They tell you how to run your life. Like that doesn't sound very oh, empowering. Right. So I, I got, I got taken to school a little bit mm-hmm. on that and started to realize that actually the way that I was showing up in my own life was a direct result of the default thoughts that I had just been believing and thinking for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I just want to mention, because I, I did a podcast on why every mom needs a life coach. And I explain what life coaching is and the difference between that and therapy. So if anybody listening is thinking the same thing, like, yeah, what is this coaching thing all about? Um, I'll link to that episode in our show notes. So good. Everybody should definitely listen to that. And being a mom, that was like kind of the next evolution of this. And then I became a parent, which is, of course, a whole identity shift. Um, Still financially dependent on my husband because now I have a brand new baby. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what I was doing. I had never even thought of myself as ever becoming a mom. But now there are these two people who I was responsible in relationship to for not being like a low key crazy person walking around my house. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So coaching really helps me with all of that. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that. Like how did coaching help you? I think the biggest revelation that I got very early on was the way that I talked to myself was not very nice. Mm -hmm. I had a colleague let me know. She was like, would you ever speak to your best friend the way that you're talking about yourself right now? And of course the answer was no, but I really was locked into this story that I must be a terrible new mom because my kid wasn't sleeping or I was a terrible partner because I wasn't making as much as my husband, like all of this stuff that was totally arbitrary, really didn't matter. And I had a whole story about how I was just like a defective person, essentially. Mm -hmm. And coaching, of course, shows us that that's all pre-programmed default beliefs. And then we learn, of course, as you do in your work so beautifully, how to shift into recognizing that actually what was true is that I have started a life with a really beautiful person. We had a beautiful child. We now have two children And none of that stuff was really helpful. And it definitely wasn't making me a better partner or parent. Mm. So is that, so after you had that experience in coaching, is that when you decided to pursue becoming a coach? Yeah, I really wanted to go deeper. And, you know, at first I thought, oh, I'll, I'll just like help my yoga friends and I'll help the yoga students that I, that I worked with. But really these, these transformations are so subtle in so many ways, but having another brilliant brain on your issues and on your problems and on, on your goals is just, I think it's like the fastest way to the life you actually want and deserve. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I like what you said about having another brain on your life, because like I've talked about so many times when you're in it, when you're in your brain, you can't see objectively what's going on in your life and how your, your thoughts that you believe to be true are impacting your, your, your life. But when you have somebody outside of your brain and somebody who's like totally outside of your relationship, they can so much more clearly see where you're getting in your own way. Yeah. So, okay. The first question that came to my mind as you were talking before is like, cause I'm, I'm listening to you as one of my listeners and thinking, okay, what it, we have moms, I'm sure who are in a similar place to where you, you just described, but mm-hmm. then there's also moms who are thinking, well, but I'm the loving partner and my husband is the hot mess. Mm, right? yeah. So I, I'm curious to know, like, do you work with just one spouse? Do you work with couples? Tell us a little bit about your approach and like what makes yours different from say a couples therapist or something like that. I do work with couples only if both of them really want to do this work. Mm -hmm. Sometimes one partner will be very into the idea of coaching and they will kind of gently manhandle their partner along. I never work with those couples because I think that this is something that has to be, this is work that has to be self-generated. You know, as I've heard you say so beautifully, the coach isn't the one doing the work. The client is is essentially going to be responsible for making those shifts. And we're there on the sideline helping you tweak your technique. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I often, like mostly I work with individuals and it's, it's a really funny thing because I think most people intellectually know that we're all responsible for our own happiness and our own lives. And we're all adults, but when it comes to a close relationship, like a partner or like children, we outsource so much of that emotional responsibility onto the other person. Like we will wait in the morning to see what kind of mood our kids are in before we know how to feel. Mm-hmm. We will wait to see if our partner is willing to do the vulnerable work of coaching or therapy or what have you to know if we're going to really go all in. And I think the the beautiful thing about coaching is you don't actually need anyone else to do it. Like if you want to change your relationship, you can do that completely alone. That's in my, in my new book, I have this little section at the beginning that says, this is not a book for you to read and then hand to your partner and say, (laughs) I've highlighted some sections for you and here's an exercise or two. Yeah. Like it's for you to take and be the leader in your relationship or call it the CEO of your relationship which is the curious, empowered, and open partner. Mm, mm-hmm. Because that will create a change one way or another. If you are showing up with your children as more curious and more empowered and more open, they can't actually stay the same or the, and the, or the relationship can't actually be what it was yesterday if you were closed yeah. off and yelling. <laughs> right, right. The way I like to describe it to people is like, you've gotten yourself into a a pattern of relating with somebody else, or, you know, you can think of it like a dance. Mm -hmm. And when you change your, your steps or you change your direction of the dance, then, you know, they might resist at first because they're like, Hey, what's going on here? This isn't the way we've always done it. But then eventually, you know, 
and not always, but most of the time, they will then adjust to kind of come and, and, you know, do a new dance with you and change the pattern. So, yeah. So that's kind of when you're saying you are the one who can change your relationship, just you, you don't need the other person to be on board with that. Yeah. And I mean, the, the irony is so many times I think people do believe what you said, that it's their partner that needs to become more open. Not me. I'm the, I'm the beautiful, loving one. And if only my partner would be nicer than I could be, or if only my kids would listen to what I say, then I wouldn't have to get so upset because I'm actually very loving. Right. Right. But that's just giving the other person all of this power. And the, the ironic thing is when you change your step in the dance, the other person will naturally adjust or they just won't want to do the dance anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So rather than having to control them and bark orders <laughs> or, do, or subtly drop hints, however, you, whatever your style of trying to get another person to change is, you can just show up completely as who you want to be. Yeah, but that's really scary what you just said, right? Like if somebody doesn't want to keep doing the dance with me, like that's scary. And I don't know that I want to change anything then, right? So yeah, that that's, that's, I think, part of why having a, especially like when it's a, a close relationship, I think that's why we need coaches. I mean, you are essentially a relationship coach as well. You're mm-hmm. working with people in relationship to their most loved people. At the end of the day, it comes back to our relationship with ourselves. So if you've been acting a certain way to try to elicit responses from your kids or from your partner or from your parents, there will be a moment where when you actually come fully into who you are and what you want, you may change. And the other person might not want to be in that dance. At that point, you might not mind (laughs) when you're actually loving yourself and your life. You may not mind. That happens rarely Mm -hmm. in the work that I do with people. More often than not, um, when it's two adults in a relationship, it's inspiring Mm. when your partner starts dancing in a different way. Mm. Um, It's exciting and mysterious to finally get to know this person maybe you've known for a long time at a new level. Yeah. And I love what you said about the CEO, because if you're showing up as curious, empowered and open, right, then like, what's not to love about that? What's like from your partner's perspective, makes you so much easier to be around, makes you want to be around that person instead of someone who's always feeling resentful or judgmental and critical. Yeah. Yeah. You make space for the other person to show up as who they are. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So you mentioned your book and I have to tell you, I received an advanced copy and I was blown away. You were? I really was. And I, I was like, wow, I did not know that you could write so beautifully. And I was like, really, I loved every, everything about it. I think, um, it was like, you were just talking to me you know, it was like very conversational, but you, you, but like authoritative too. Like you definitely know what you're talking about and you use so many great examples and very creative, like terminology to explain concepts. I really, really loved this book. And I loved that there's like a workbook to go along with it. I'm so excited about it that I want to offer 
um, like a free book giveaway to a couple of our listeners today. I'll link to all of that information in the show notes too, and how to enter the contest giveaway and things like that. But one of the things you talked about is actually similar to something that I've talked about before. I've talked about the part of the brain that's our primitive part of the brain, and I call it the barking dog. It's how I how I describe it to kids, right? When I'm working with kids in, in a school capacity. And you talk about the hunting dog, which I thought was brilliant. Can you describe what that is a little bit? Yes. I, I And thank you. That's Your words are just so meaningful to me. I really appreciate that. Um, okay. The hunting dog brain yeah. is the part of our brain that is tuned to go out and look for evidence to support our default beliefs. Mm -hmm. Also, because we're human, we tend to be tuned to look for evidence to support our most negative beliefs. So Mm -hmm. when you get the whiff that your kid is being disrespectful, they do, they roll their eyes a certain way. And you know, that maybe three months ago when they did that, a fight happened, an argument happened between you, your hunting dog brain sees that little signal and almost subconsciously starts to sniff around for evidence. It's like we sound the trumpets. It goes off running into the swamp, looking for something. I just love that so much. I'm going to start using it. I'll I'll give you credit, but I love it so much. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, so it looks for the evidence to prove, keep proving that belief or that thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like this is something that I know you do when you're coaching your clients, but kind of just let everybody in on some of the coaching practice, what we're often looking for is these themes and theses throughout thesis, theses, theses, sounds like theses, which is, (laughs) which is apropos, (laughs) but we're looking for kind of like the negative thesis, Mm -hmm. the story that we tell about the people in our life, the story we tell about ourselves and the hunting dog brain is just like a function that can sometimes be like, it's almost like an obsessive thing where we're just like, I've got to find evidence that no one loves me, that no one likes me, that everyone else is having a good time and I'm not. And we will just keep doing that habitually, as you said. So it's really important to retrain that dog mm-hmm. yeah. work for you because it can, it can actually work for you. You could go and say, you know, when my child does this, it's actually, I'm going to receive that as evidence, not about me being disrespected, but I'm going to see that as like, they might be going through something hard. How can I stay curious and empowered and open in the face of an eye roll rather than immediately shut down and leap to some negative place? Mm -hmm. You also talk about some of the main challenges that you see in your work. So can you tell us about that? Like, what are, what are the things that people most come to you about and the problems that they're facing in their relationships? The main like relationship issues, we're talking about like core romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually they fall into one of the big four categories. They're usually around sex, around money, around shared values or like spiritual religious things, or they're around day-to-day life schedules, Mm -hmm. chores, who's in charge of cooking, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And of course, you might have issues in all four of those categories, but most couples, it actually comes down to either 
lack of team thinking where you don't actually relate to your partner as your teammate, you're relating to them as an adversary, which I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people get into. (laughs) The longer relationships go on, I think that dynamic can happen. Or it's actually more about our lack of intimacy where you don't feel a deep connection. Maybe you've got so deep into the minutia of day-to-day life and you are working kind of like a team, but there's not the kind of depth and connection that was present earlier on in the relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, you know, I always think about, because my listeners are moms, obviously, and it's like, you have this person in your life that you, you love so deeply and so much so that you want to get married to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have kids. Yes. <laughs> right. And it's like, what do you see as like, I mean, both of these issues come up for sure with many of my clients and it was true in my own marriage. So like, what is it about after kids that just changes everything? And all of a sudden, you know, we're not a team. We're not as intimate. Like what's your take on that? You know, my take on it after watching a lot of couples and obviously going through this transition in my own marriage is that just because someone is an amazing date, an amazing partner, doesn't mean that they're automatically going to be a parent in the way that you want them to be. Or maybe they're not an amazing chef. My husband was not a really great cook when we first got together. Mm -hmm. Such a loving man. He didn't know how to cook anything but lentils. (laughs) And we make these things like a problem. We kind of start to treat our partners more like they're supposed to be these super assistants in our lives and make our life easier. But, you know, if you've never been a parent before, no one can say how well you're going to adapt to that job. Mm. Yeah. So I think, and you said before that it's an identity yeah. shift. It is completely changes who you are on every, in every way. So, right. So like you're married, you marry this one person and then both of you become totally different people with, you know, when you change from just Aaron to now mom, that's huge. Yeah. There's so many things we're now doing for the first time that we're not going to know how to do well. Mm -hmm. And your job description triples. Like there are so many, there's so many things I do now that I never thought I would do. And I was, I always joke with my husband, he used to be a musician and I was a tour manager. So I know how to plan and organize things really well. And he knows how to do repetition. So he can sing twinkle, twinkle, little star 3000 times and never get bored. Oh, like this is what makes us good parents because we can complement each other. We can come at this like a team. Mm -hmm. We can do some of the things that would drive me insane. Mm -hmm. And I can support him in the ways where, you know, maybe he's not always as organized. Tell us how many kids you have and what their ages are. We have 15 children. (laughs) We we only have two. (laughs) Um, We have a five-year-old and a soon-to-be three-year-old. Okay. And we've only been married for six years. So we didn't actually have a lot of solo time as a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been kind of doing this longer than we were just dating. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so those are the big four, you call them, right? The big four, um, sex, money, 
division of labor, I guess you could say. And what was the fourth one? Shared values. Mm, okay. So Leah, let's talk a little bit more about this like idea of um, being on the same page. A lot of my clients will come and they'll say, I'm just, my husband and I are not on the same page about anything, about money, parenting decisions, you know, who does what around the house. And so what advice will you, would you give my listeners about how to be think about it differently? Or I don't know, any advice that you can give them about that? Yeah, I mean, every situation is so different. So mm-hmm. I think that the thing that would be probably most helpful to keep in mind across the board is what if you, I like to think about like, if you were an elite team, if you were in two elite athletes on the same team playing the same sport, Mm -hmm. it would be totally okay. If you had different strengths and weaknesses, if you like to do things differently in your job, that would be fine. But overall, it's really helpful to have a game plan. So rather than we're not on the same page here, we're not on the same page here. It's like, what's the overall game plan? So actually in the book, I have an exercise within the shared values section. And this is also part of the book bonus um, where you actually take some time to sit down with your partner and really think about what's the purpose of this relationship? Mm -hmm. Like, are we here to raise an amazing family together and to enjoy our lives Are we here to explore and have adventures? Like, what is it we really want to do? And then start to think about the small details in the context of that bigger picture. This is also how to help you end arguments (laughs) about small detail things. Because if you know that who washes the dishes is not ultimately a deal breaker in fulfilling the purpose of your marriage... Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's not so important that you have to bring it up. Yeah. So kind of keep keeping your eye on the bigger picture and the bigger goal for your relationship, as opposed to all those little details that we nitpick over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the, the problem is when you get into the details too much in a way that feels like, you know, resentment is one of the biggest emotions that I help people Mm-hmm. resolve and make peace with. When you can actually see the small details as small details and you are comparing them to the bigger picture, it doesn't necessarily mean that you become complacent and you say, well, fine, it's not a big deal. I'll just be the one who always does all of the things. What it does is it keeps you from getting locked into tunnel vision so you can actually have creative solutions. Um during, you know, the last time I think you and I talked was when you did an episode for my show about parenting during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. which thank you was very supportive to a lot of people. I always get feedback on the episode. One of the solutions, the creative solutions that my husband and I came up with was we're both working full-time. We're not putting our kids in school this year. They're doing virtual things. Mm -hmm. I don't want, neither one of us wants them to sit in front of the TV. (laughs) We hired, so I hired someone for my business who is now cooking two beautiful meals a day for them, is with them playing and doing crafts while my husband and I work. And this was a creative solution that would never have come if we had been looking at like, well, it's your turn to put the kids to bed and it's your turn to make the dinner. Right. There wouldn't have been space for it. Mm-hmm. 
And so those solutions obviously don't always look like hiring somebody to help no, out, but they could just be always thinking outside the box. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just that, like for me, I, you know, it's not like I'm, my business doesn't make millions of dollars that, yet. you know, not yet <laughs> after the book is sold. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's just something I thought, oh no, that's only for people who have like a team of 25 people. It's like, actually, no, it's mm -hmm. what we're saving on daycare and what we're saving by both being able to work actually makes it totally reasonable for us to have the most amazing woman who my mm -hmm. children love, who's teaching them how to bake <laughs> in our home during the week. Yeah. So it helps you to like, just entertain possibilities. And sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's something even just as simple as saying, you know, we're both feeling super stressed. We both need one night a week where we're totally off duty with the kids. We both need just two hours of no one being allowed to talk to us. Okay. Here's another question that I thought of before the show is like, you do work with men, right? Mm -hmm. Do you see differences or, or maybe themes, certain themes mm -hmm. in the ways that men and women think about their relationships? Because I was thinking, okay, because we've got mostly women listening to this podcast. And is there anything that maybe you think would be valuable for them to know from a different perspective? You know, know. That's, it's such an interesting thing. Um, oftentimes, regardless of whether it's a man or a woman, at the end of the day, when we go deep enough, it usually comes back to the, the issues in the relationship come back to the self-worth of the individual. Yes. So I have men who really value integrity and authenticity. Um, my husband also works with, with men and, you know, he's reflected this as well. They just think that they're supposed to be the champion of the household. And instead of dealing with <laughs> some of the problem, this is not every man, of course, right. but instead of like dealing with the problem head on, they're just like, I'm just going to let her, if it's a straight relationship, like I'll just let her yell. Right. I'll let her be mad. Hope it blows past and never actually dive into what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think um, at the end of the day, you know, we were talking about the CEO, curious, empowered, and open. The most advanced thing that people can do is actually become open <laughs> in their relationship, which sounds kind of silly, but I think after a time, we lose the ability to be vulnerable because we think that our partner is going to like store it up like a nut <laughs> yeah. to use against us later. Mm -hmm. And that's often um, for my, my men, something that they really worry about. Like if I tell her how I feel, if I tell her how I want this to go, it's, it's just going to come back yeah. to me in three months. It's so interesting. Like what you're saying is, important because at the end of the day, like you said, it all comes down to our feelings of self-worth and am I enough? Mm -hmm. Right. And if you can see your spouse's behavior through that lens of like, that's what everybody just wants to be loved. Everybody just wants the same thing. If you can just be open to seeing it from their point of view, that that's why they're behaving in the way they're behaving. It just gives us so much more compassion. 
one of the hacks in the book, the mm-hmm. quick, the quick path, it's, it's quick. It's not necessarily easy is when you're locked into something, when you're really sure that your partner should be doing something differently than they are. I call it doing brain gymnastics, <laughs> but if you can entertain the possibility that you might be wrong, that there may be more to the story that you're not able to see because you're in the tunnel vision space. If you can think of maybe five other possibilities for why they are doing what they are doing, and then maybe as an advanced concept, actually ask them why they're doing what they're doing, you're probably going to learn something. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to establish a line of intimacy between you. You have to be careful in the way that you ask it, right? You definitely do. (laughs) You don't want to attack the person. Why are you doing that? Yeah. I have a whole step-by-step process for how to have those conversations. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. That is something that I notice a lot. Even, you know, when I was married, like wanting to be right, neither one of us was willing to be wrong. Neither one of us was willing to look at the possibility that the other person, it's not even a matter of right and wrong, just, you know, that there are other possibilities or that, you know, this is not worth even arguing over. What's that saying? You win the battle, but lose the war. Yes. Right. So yeah, being more open to being wrong is uh, definitely something that's important but not easy. It's not easy. And it's something to, again, you know, I've mentioned a few times why the work that we do as coaches is so important because it's a fine line between saying, oh, I'm willing to always be the one that's wrong and I'm always wrong. And having that become like a really negative self-deprecating thing. Mm -hmm. Something I learned from you is like, I'm willing to be wrong. Or I was wrong and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, of course I thought what I was thinking was right. I'm human. Exactly. Yeah. Of course is one of the most powerful things. And I definitely learned that from you. Yeah. It's really awesome. I love it. Um, Okay. Here's before we end, Hmm. I want to know a lot of times when I am on a consult with somebody and they'll say, I really want to do this coaching, but my husband won't be on board or he's not going to think it's a good idea. What do you say to that mom about having to get the husband's permission or their buy-in? The the way I think about it is it's not, your partner's not the one doing the, the work here. The partner, if you're not getting coached together, it's not actually their decision. If, if the only option is they have to be on board and they have to say yes, you're in a position of powerlessness. You're not the empowered partner here. Mm. It really can't be your partner's decision. You can talk to them about it for sure. It's lovely when your partner is on board, but they might not get it. They might not be interested. Mm-hmm. My husband was not interested in coaching. Mm-hmm. For a long, he's now a coach, <laughs> but I, I, I went through coach training. I think I had already signed up for master coach training mm-hmm. before he ever once got on the phone with like a non-business coach. Right, right. And then within two months of getting coached, he was like, I'm becoming a coach too. This is amazing. (laughs) This is the most amazing thing. That's so funny. 
Yeah. You got to be your own cheerleader and have your own back and, and do what's right for you. Because even in a relationship where you share your life with someone, you can't make them responsible for your dreams. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a will, there's a way. Totally. And I actually, I don't know if I am, I am, no, 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 if I'm super weird about this, but I actually love it when people in my life aren't on board with something. I think it's so fun. Yeah. To build a business when everyone thought every when I stopped teaching yoga, everyone thought it was nuts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were like, you are so established. You're such a great teacher. Da, 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 da. You're going to start this unknown thing. Mm-hmm. And then I have this beautiful business now. And all the naysayers are like, well, I was wrong. Yeah. That was clearly amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. My husband thought coaching seems a little weird. And now mm-hmm. he's like, you've transformed your life. Yeah. You're so That's different. What I mean when you say have your own back is just yes. believe in yourself and believe in your your dreams. That's so good. So speaking of your dreams, yes. this book that you created um is so good. It's called Revitalize Your Relationship, which is the same name as your podcast. Mm-hmm. So um where can people well, first of all, we're gonna give a book a book giveaway, but yeah. if they like can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and they want it right now, where can they get the book and um, where else can they get in touch with you if they maybe want to find out more? Yes. You can buy the book on your country's Amazon or Kindle website. It will also be on Apple books. I believe by the time this episode is out mm-hmm. and just to make life easy, you can get in touch with me at revitalizeyourrelationship.com. Okay. Same as the podcast. Love mm-hmm. it. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to say before we end? I think if anyone is out there who doesn't have the kind of relationship that they want to have, first of all, people who are your listeners, if you haven't worked with Pam yet, you really must. (laughs) We should definitely hire you. (laughs) But in the meantime, go buy this book. It's the smallest investment you can ever make to have such a huge impact in your relationship. It's, it's literally three years of my work with my high-end clients in a book. Mm -hmm. And, um, we just, we deserve better relationships. It's such a waste of time and energy to be suffering in your home, in a space where that's not what you signed up for. Nobody was like, I can't wait until we live this mediocre life together on our wedding day. Right. <laughs> I can't wait till we're fighting every Thursday night. No one wants that. No one said that. Um, go buy the book, do every single thing inside of it, and it will help you tremendously. I agree. Go get the book, everybody. All right, Erin, thank you so much. This was fantastic. I know that there's so much more that we can talk about. Maybe we'll do a, a future episode again together, but this was amazing and it's come, it'll be coming out right before Thanksgiving. So I want to just say that I'm grateful for you and our friendship and, and thank I you love you. Thank You're you. Welcome. Thank you for all the work you do. Parents so dearly need the kind of support, moms especially, that you provide. So thanks for having me. It's been an honor. Thank you. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel calmer, more confident, and more at peace in your family and life, I invite you to sign up for a free consultation with me to learn about how my coaching can help you achieve the exact life you want. 
You'll take the concepts and tools I share in the podcast and apply them to your own life. And as your coach, I'll be there to support you every step of the way. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and sign up now.